listening to the RTE Today podcast featuring some of the best bits from our show on RTE One weekdays at half three. We have our news panel with us in studio. We have broadcaster Anton Savage and also uh, Megan Scully, who's also a broadcaster and she was with us, of course, last week on the Today Show. And on Skype, we have singer Niamh Kavanagh, last half fault to Fodd. Anton, we're going to start with you. Addicted to Drama. Yes, this is a, a new book by Dr. Scott Lyons, who uh, has the unusual description in the blurb of his book of being psychologist and former drag queen, which is a combination that you don't often get together. But in one way, it is potentially uh, relevant to his book because he's written a book where he says that he discovered in himself that he had spent his life creating drama where it didn't exist because he ended up living off it. And the book is about people who do exactly that. People who either, when they find drama, they milk it and cling on to it as much as they can. And if it isn't there, they find a way to create it. And he says the reason for it, in essence, boils down to if everything is sort of at an even keel, you don't get the old dopamine pumping, whereas mm-hmm. the adrenaline shot of either good gossip or a relationship being on the edge of falling apart or chaos in work or whatever it might be keeps you feeling alive. So he finds normality boring. Yes, and he says that there is a human drive to get away from boring normality and to create drama wherever possible and then go and waddle in it. And what about the science behind this? Like, what does it do to your body? Well, he, he says in the book that it, it isn't a diagnosable thing because it's not in the DSM. So as to how, how deep the science goes, I'm not sure I'd push too much. <laughs> but what he's saying is that you get a sort of an adrenaline, which we all do. Get it. a it's kick. a good crisis, yeah. You get the pump of adrenaline. You suddenly feel, I better deal with this. And it gives you that momentary sense of importance as you deal with the crisis, even if you created it fueled it and it didn't need to happen at all. And your blood pressure is through the roof, Megan. I just, I'm here going, do we not get enough drama from the soaps? Like, that's what the soaps are for, is to get the, that hit of drama. Um, I, I just think it can be so exhausting, people who, you know, like drama queens or people who love the drama and you're yeah. kind of going, oh, and it's like you, you try to, you know, they, they kind of just drain the energy from you and then I think you go on social media and there's always you know, certain people that just love drama on social media or <laughs> get involved with the drama and you're like, just going to mute that one. Just going to mute that one. It's just it's exhausting. That is yeah. so true. But also drama <laughs> for the other people in your life. Like you might be addicted to drama, but yeah. what about the people who have to pick up the yeah. pieces? So like, Neve, what do you think about the people then who create the drama and you've got to pick up the pieces? Or are you the person in your life that creates the drama? Oh, no, uh, I created a lot of drama when I was young. I was very, very, uh, what would I say, dramatic as a child. But as I've got older, I definitely have found a way to kind of be more chill. I think it's because I found an outlet for it on stage, which is a big mm-hmm. deal. But um, I, I like to watch a bit of drama, you know what I mean? And I think actually what happens is if you think about all our entertainment choices, always around drama. It's always like we love a bit of drama. It gives us, it makes us excited. I don't really like to be out of control or situations better control so I tend to not uh, you know encourage the drama around me I'm very much into do the job in front of me once drama occurs but I do like to watch it from a distance it makes me laugh yeah and uh, this dopamine hit does that come in a good and bad form then do you know what I mean for example stress and drama that's mm. dopamine hit and also something nice that might happen to you like you'd win the lottery this dopamine hit do they differentiate between the two of them. They don't, well, the, the dopamine, dopamine, dopamine hit is a dopamine yeah, hit, however okay. you get it. But the, the advantage of drama is a couple of uh, things. First of all, it tends to make you the centre of attention or at least involved in the action. Because one of the things is if there's good drama, people come running to you to say, did you hear the latest? Yes. <laughs> Even if it's disastrous, not like a bit of bad news, come here till I tell you, you don't have yeah. that bad yeah. So you, you become the centre of attention. Secondly, you feel like you are empowered. We better do something. Often there's nothing to do. Yeah. Step back, let it all settle. But there's a sense that I'll 
I'll get involved. And then there is the adrenaline rush through the entire thing. So there's a whole series. He, he breaks down the different types of effectively drama queens into different styles of drama. The, the people who sort of run in circles around the edges. There are the people who will deliberately cause fights for the joy of the fight. All of that kind of stuff. I wonder in the dating world, do people who are drama queens attract people who are addicted to drama as well as like attract like? And that would be a recipe for disaster with two drama queens in one relationship. It's horrifying, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Trish, you were looking at me there, and I've been on a date in 14 or 15 years. But you are a drama queen. Am I joking? <laughs> kind of, in my in my own way. Uh, Dave, we'll move on to the next uh, story, and it's about Catherine Ryan's dress. What's so strange, weird, or peculiar about the dress, and why are we talking about it? Well, it turns out that she got on the te- television on the Jonathan Ross show, and the Mirror was uh, reporting that her dress was. Uh, triggering people who have trypophobia. Now, I had to look up how to pronounce that properly because you're always very worried about those kind of phobia words. And and the dress, to me, looks more like uh, that broader you know, anglaise thing that we used to wear when we were younger in our summer tops, you know, that light cotton. But I think in order to really trigger it, it has to be closer together, according to the science. I don't know whether it's an actual proper phobia but phobias are a bit funny because you can't control how you're going to feel about things uh, until they're on it. My friend is absolutely mortifyingly uh, petrified of worms. And so uh, anytime we're out walking and she sees a worm, it absolutely terrifies her, which actually amuses me hugely. So <laughs> <laughs> You're not supposed to be laughing at people with phobias, Niamh. I, I know, I know. Not so, now, to be fair, it's a very real fear. You know, yeah. you can't make sudden moves for about an hour after she sees one and she makes you run away with her because otherwise she's worried you're going to pick one up and follow her. So, I mean, it's not that I have a problem with that. I have a weird thing because I can't, if I see premium sandwiches, I can't actually eat them because I don't know if it's real butter on them and that really freaks me out. That's not a proper phobia. <laughs> Nobody has a proper word for that, but it actually is. It makes me physically <laughs> ill thinking about it. But So there's no rational thing to deal with phobias and I, I always feel very sorry for her in some ways but to to laugh about it kind of kind of lets the, the stress of the situation go by um, but actually what's happening is people were kind of triggered by it because with the trypophobia that what happens is people actually get you know triggered by the fact that all the patterns are so close together mm-hmm. and it might actually you know right freak them out but I don't know if her dress is kind of a uh, good um, thing. I actually, I came across a great phobia, which is nomophobia, where you have fear of missing your phone, which is very common now. Oh, I, think. I think we all have yeah. that, don't we? We're all just touching ourselves. <laughs> going, where is our phone? Megan, do you have a ph- phobia? Yeah. So mine's a bit strange, and I, I didn't realise it was a phobia until I spoke about it on social media. But I have, a, I, well, I've now found out it's called genophobia, knees. So um, yeah, even talking about it now, I'm like, <gasps> so you basically. Don't like knees. So when I, I was involved in a lot of track and field and cross country when I was younger and when I was in first year in school I decided to take on hurdles and you know when you're on the starting block you're down and you mark yeah. set up and run so when I got up the, when I got up off the ground to start a girl crossed into my lane right in front of the first hurdle threw me off I caught the back of the hurdle came down on my two knees in the astroturf oh, and I can since feel then it. I yeah I can't have anyone touch them and it just freaks me out and then I remember I was in Vietnam um, travelling in January and I went for quite a few foot and leg massages because they're very cheap over there and they kept working on my knees and I was sitting there going I think I'm going to be sick I think I'm going to be sick and they're like are you okay? I was like yeah uh, no, no. Did you not stop after the first one? Because <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I thought I could beat the phobia. I was like, if they stay working on it, maybe I'll get over it. I haven't, though. It didn't work. Is so it your own knees or someone else's knees? Mine. As well? 
Like, can you look at other people's knees? Um, the thoughts of, no, no, do you know what? I'm fine with Nobody's other people's knees. Nobody's showing my knees. No, it's the one people touching my knees. And you wouldn't believe the amount of times that people sit beside you and, like, touch off your knee. Yeah. No, I wouldn't. I don't <laughs> know. <laughs> no, and, I, and I've, been on a, I've been on dates before, like, you're sitting beside someone and they start touching, and I'm like, I'm going to get sick on top of this person if they don't start touching my knees. Anton, what about yourself? Any phobias? Well, Neve actually, um, if, if the, what's the reverse of a, a phobia, a philia, a, a love of something, I need to meet Neve's friend because when I was a small boy, I'm not making this up, one of the things that I would do is I would wash worms. <laughs> On the basis of the that. Soil. Yeah, <laughs> no, I would, but I, would, I would dig the worms up and it was, a, it was a small garden that had a concrete base to it and I would take the worms across the concrete and then I would wash them in a bucket of water. On the grounds that a worm never has the opportunity in its life to be clean. Oh, very sad. And I would then put it on the contract and guard it from birds till it made its way back into the muck, thinking that three foot was the best time in that worm's life. It's like the demilitarized zone, really, in, in, in Korea. Imagine when the worm went back and he said to that, you never believe what happened to me today. Yeah. It was sparkling. <laughs> Traumatized going back in life. Like... The worm washer. Yeah. Sorry. The one phobia that I really, I don't have it, but that I really like, I just, I love whoever named it. The phobia of palindrome. So a palindrome is a word that is the same backwards and forwards, like Abel yes. was IRA, so yeah. Elba. The name for the phobia of palindromes is an abophobia, which is in and of itself a palindrome. Very good. <laughs> very good, very good. I love that. Uh, Neve, do you have a phobia? Not really. Not that I've come across, although I'm kind of uh, haven't actually discovered what that is yet. There are certain things that I, apart from the butter thing, I don't think there's anything really that kind of totally freaks me out. I'm not mad about heights, but I don't know if that's really a phobia. That's kind of I can get over it. I mean, I've gone abseiling, not necessarily out of choice. Like, but anyway. <laughs> we, we, we got in contact. Well, we put this up on our Facebook page and uh, loads of people got in contact and they have a fear, a phobia of jelly. The wobbling of it makes me feel sick. Touching velvet, buttons, it says. Picking, scratching or sucking teeth. Oh, God. I'm Your own or somebody oh. else's? This is, uh, <laughs> they didn't specify what I <laughs> It lacked that little bit of information. Uh, but it also says here, uh, a, a terrified of birds, ketchup, moths and spiders. There's a lot of people yeah. out there who are uh, like not into ketchup mm. or food, touching other foods, like beans, touching anything on your plate. That's kind of a phobia people have as yeah, well. I don't know. You know, do you ever hear of that with, with some people? A no? phobia of the beans coming. Beans touching have... other foods yeah. on your plate. Wow, I wonder yeah, what the name is for like that. Like the sauce. I, there must be a name. Beanophobia. Okay. Beanophobia. <laughs> Only joking. Megan, on to our next story. <laughs> yeah, away from washing worms. Um, outrage culture. This is in her dot e, and it's like this yeah. is a new thing that's happening now. Basically, outrage culture is like cancel culture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I guess that the big issue with it is we think about social media. So, for example, remember the Grammys? Um, Taylor Swift got many accolades, mm-hmm. but um, on social media, they tried to make out that she snubbed Celine Dion. That's right. Yeah. You know, and she'd come out and say, no, like, I'm a massive Celine Dion fan. Obviously, she just got announced for a record-breaking mm-hmm. Grammy, so she got really excited. And just the way the photo or the video was taken, it looked like she snubbed Celine Dion, but in fact, she didn't. She, you're not going to snub Celine Dion. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, on social media, everyone went, like, absolutely bananas. They were so annoyed at this, like, how could she do that? Mm-hmm. How could she snub Celine Dion? Celine Dion's a legend. But, you know, it's just taking things into, out of context, and that's the problem now with cancel culture and with outrage culture. It's that we're now suddenly, it's like this pile-on on someone, and we don't even know the full story. It's kind of like, you know, um, innocent to proven guilty, where 
trial by social media nowadays, it's like everyone's guilty no matter what, and it's they won't give the person then a chance. And like it's ended careers and everything, and it's it's just it's awful. Like, like as if everybody thinks they have a right to their opinion being blasted on X or Twitter or Instagram. It's like this is my opinion. Everybody needs to like it or lump it. It's like professional outrage in a way. Yeah, and then people, I think, as you said, like then they go, do you know what that person's right? I didn't see or hear or I don't even know what they're talking about, but I'm going to jump on as well, and I'm yeah. going to agree with them. And it's just it's, it becomes a pylon. Yeah, and then it's creating so much hate. And then I find I go on certain apps and I'm like, I have to take a break from that now because mm-hmm. it's just this awful, you know, so much outrage and so much anger. And, you know, it turns out like it might be true at all. Yeah, and then t- what you have is people giving their opinion without actually even discussing the matter itself. Well, yeah, or often not knowing what the underlying yeah. thing is. Mm. I mean, one of my, my favourite things is every now and then, I, the newspaper column that I write, I will tweet out the links to it. Mm. And regularly I will be castigated for pe- by people disagreeing with me when in actual fact... They agree with the point that I made the comment. They just didn't <laughs> yeah. read it and assume yeah. I'm saying <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They read the headline. Correct. I went, yeah. ah, absolutely no, I'm actually in agreement with you. Um, the, the thing that's difficult with this is, from the perspective of the person who sends the single tweet and says, you're a disgrace for what you did with Celine Dion or whatever else it might be, they are but one person. To the person in receipt of it, mm-hmm. if you're on the... I mean, I've dealt with a couple of people who have been on the receiving end of that kind of outrage culture... It is horrendous. Mm. It, it feels like your world is coming apart around you, particularly if it makes the traditional media as well. You're on the front of the papers. Mm. Yeah. You are getting this poured on you at every p- possible uh, turn. You're getting called everything under the sun. There is apparently no way to stop it. You think everybody is thinking about me. Now, they may not be, but that's what it feels like. It's the most horrendous thing to suffer through. And the really depressing bit about it is the people who it should affect it is actually positive for. If you're somebody in the business like a Piers Morgan, mm-hmm. or what you want is attention yeah, and yeah. reaction. Yeah. All of this stuff of yeah. anger, yeah. it's, it's manna Speed from heaven. Good. This yeah. is what I want. Whereas the people who are in the, the middle distance just trying to get by, it destroys. I mean, I have seen people who have gone through it and years later, it is still an open wound for them. Mm. Mm-hmm. And it follows you around as well because it could be on your phone. It's not just on the newspapers. It's and not only does it follow you around, there, is a, there are a cohort of people who will go out of their way to make sure that it follows you around. So yeah. there are yeah. people who will be in the initial outrage culture. But like the Taylor Swift, in five years, she will tweet something and somebody will go, well, at least you don't snub her like Celine Dion. Yeah. <laughs> there are people who make it their living to say, I'll keep reminding you of this perceived flaw. Yeah. Great to be perfect, isn't it? <laughs> Great to be perfect. What do you think, Neva? It's a dangerous enough place to be, isn't it? Yeah, no, it is actually. It's a real problem. And the problem for people who are kind of in the public eye is you're mm-hmm. always constantly worried about what how somebody's going to take something mm-hmm. for you. And there could be five million great comments under what you do, and it only takes one yeah. for you to really be freaked out and be cancelled, I suppose. Um, I mean... I often think that social media gives a platform to people who would usually be out barking at cars, Mm -hmm. you know, rather than actually, you know, kind of their opinions would have been heard maybe in the pub in debate and you would have gone, oh, for God's sake, don't pay attention to that. But it's very difficult when it's on social media because once it's out, it's out, you know, and that's it. And people, as you say, Anton, can just revive it at any given moment. And, you know, you just know that it's it's kind of, you have to be very strong to kind of go against it. And it's it's difficult. And when they see it written down, it's kind of, they see it as legit. Yeah, and it's not true, exactly. If they read a headline and don't read the actual story. Yes, that's it. Just the headline, Mm -hmm. click. So you click in. 
it doesn't necessarily have to be people who are already in the public eye. No. You see these instances where somebody running a cafe yeah, refuses the wrong person or, and suddenly their lives are pulled asunder. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. yeah. Anton, your story that you're going to talk about now is uh, would your marriage survive yes. being shipwrecked? I this is this. the story of... Uh, it's actually it's based on a, a true story. It's a, it's a fictionalization of a, a true story. But this is a couple who were sailing their 31-foot boat when it was either attacked or accidentally bumped into by a whale. It doesn't matter what the whale's intent was, the end result was the same. The boat starts to take on water. They decide, all right, gather up what we can. They scoop up whatever bits and pieces they can in the boat and they put it on the rubber raft. They get onto the raft, the boat sinks. Now you have a married couple alone on a raft in the middle of the ocean. They were on that raft for 117 days, which is, whatever, three and a half months. Mm-hmm. Um, they very quickly ran out of food and had to get by catching birds, sea turtles, fish, whatever was going. They watched seven boats, seven ships come into sight and then steam past them without stopping, where each time they thought they were being going to be rescued and eventually they were picked up. And by the time they were picked up, they had each lost 40 uh, pounds in weight, maybe it was 40 kilos in weight for each of them, and could barely stand. And the question that it raises is, if you were shipwrecked on a desert island, if you were caught on a life raft with your significant other, what would your chances of survival be and how well would the marriage last? I'd definitely survive. There's no housework to give out about. 100% survival. <laughs> what about you, Megan? I, I, I don't know what you'd even do in that instance. They're kind of getting, I guess, flashbacks of lockdown. And you're kind of just stuck with mm-hmm. the same people all the time. And I think you'd have to kind of have moments where you decide, OK, we're just going to turn our back to each other and pretend we're not together and we're on our own, even though you're on this boat. <laughs> I think you just have to kind of have moments where you just are in silence to, to be on your own. I, I, I think, got fair play to anyone that can survive just spending the week together. Yeah. <laughs> well, what's interesting is he said oddly, he believes that the man in the couple said that he thinks he wouldn't have survived if he was on his own because he would have given up. Yeah. That if he's just in his own, he yeah. would have said, my chances are so slim, I'll just give up. Whereas because he had somebody else that he felt in some way obligated to or indebted to, it, it gave him the right to go like, on. Tell each so other each says. other's, you know, what does annoy them at home, about the washing or the cleaning or... Is that the moment? While, the I, have your, while, <laughs> while I have your attention. <laughs> you think there's nowhere else to go. There's something I want to tell you. <laughs> do you what do you think? <laughs> oh, well, we would definitely survive uh, yeah. from a point of view of the relationship because we get on the best. Uh, and we, I would love the opportunity to have him sitting somewhere where he would have to listen to me for that length of time. The only problem <laughs> I have is that the med- mental medication that we're on at our age would run out after a while and I think in fairness that we wouldn't last 170 days without our medication it would just be a race to see which of us would actually suffer more from the lack of the medication we have to take but I think um, I you know we would actually survive he's very handy and you know I think it would be very interesting to see how far but I'm not great at spending 24-7 with people all the time Um, so I'm not sure as you say uh, Megan it would have to be somewhere I could not see him yeah. <laughs> oh, hang on, he just jumps into the water there for a while just to get out of your line of yeah. sight so you don't get too what upset to him. There, love? <laughs> yeah, it, it would be a fairly good test, though, wouldn't it? Yeah, a brilliant. Do you test. think they stayed alive just despite each other? <laughs> I said that despite. I suppose that, that I think the initial conversation would be very, very interesting. Okay, I think I think you get through a lot in the first couple of hours. And then if you're with Meg. <laughs> The way you squeeze the toothpaste in the middle, really, is this why we have to Seriously. Can you just stop doing that, please? Why, why does drama follow, follow your own exactly. all around the place? Oh, you, can, you, know, you can see all these stories coming this together. Your fault. It, and what kind of a phobia would you have out of that, then? 
Yeah. yeah. Anyway, we better leave that there before we start another row here because we're together probably for another 130 days on this show. Niamh, uh, Agus, uh, Megan Gormagov, Anton, you're going to stay with us. Thanks for listening. Don't forget you can tune in to the Today Show every day on RTE1 from half three or if you miss it, you can watch back on the RTE player. Visit rte.ie forward slash player. Stay tuned.